checked by Murphy. Murphy starts the rush. He hits Hunter. He did it all. A shot and a goal. Juno finds Bellows. Here's Bellows sweeping in. Welcome back to Japers Inc. Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by Isabel Kershutian of the Washington Post. How are you doing, Isabel? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I'm happy we could have you on today to kind of talk a bit about this trade deadline. Uh, the Capitals just, you know, had a, uh, I don't want to call it uneventful trade deadline, but, you know, they made two depth trades, um, adding guys that, based upon Brian McClellan's uh, press conference, he seems to think are going to kind of slide in in the bottom two pairs and um, give him some more puck-moving options. Um, so what, what do you kind of think that McClellan's uh, thoughts were heading into it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was fairly... Um, you know, if we're going to do it, they show like after they gave up, um, you know, the Shadow Cook deal, even before that, the other deal, you know, trading a lot of picks and um, prospects, they thought if they did that again, it would really set them back um, going forward. So I think they wanted to be mindful of that. They felt like they couldn't pull off another you know, Shattenkirk-like move, uh, you know, two years in a row, just, you know, parting with another first-round pick or, you know, some of the people, you know, that we're talking about being available, guys like an Eric Carlson or McDonough, I mean, that would have required roster players as well, you know, young forwards like Burakovsky, Verona, Wilson, maybe some combination of the three. Uh, I just think the Caps weren't really comfortable with that. They thought it was an expensive trade deadline and um so they tried to do what they could without you know giving up too much and that's you know finding some guys with upside who just maybe weren't fitting in with their current teams um you know Kempney was kind of in and out of the lineup in Chicago this year um they gave up a third for him and then Jakob Yerbeck you know who'd only played 25 games um I don't really know that much about him yet um, other than, you know, what you kind of mentioned that he's a puck mover like Kempney signed from, you know, a good year in the K both of them being, you know, from Czech Republic um, signed as free agents when they were 26 and uh, you know, but other than that, I heard good things about him from the Montreal media and the impression I get from both of these guys, or I guess, what the Caps are kind of hoping is that, you know, you, you had a guy like Nate Schmidt here who wasn't playing in the lineup, um, but he was obviously still a good player. You know, just either there were people in front of him or sometimes it's politics or whatever. You know, guys just maybe sometimes a guy deserves to be in and he's just not. Um, and then obviously he goes to Vegas and he's playing, you know, a lot of minutes. Um, this is my comparison. This isn't the Caps, by the way, but... <laughs> Um, it <laughs> just felt like I should put that out there before this goes <laughs> off the rails. But, um, you know, I, I imagine they see Kempney and Yerba kind of in a similar vein. Like maybe they should have been playing, uh, and just, you know, different circumstances kept them out. Um, and maybe they're better players than, you know, 
just kind of the situation would suggest. Um, they obviously address the need with um, being able to move the puck out of the cap zone end, and I think that was the most important thing, that they wanted guys who can skate and who are puck movers, and it's a little bit different from what we've seen. You know, Brian McClellan has added a depth defenseman every year, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's been Mike Weber or Tim Gleason, you know, guys, defensive defensemen. These guys have a little bit more offensive upside, you would hope, just in how they can skate and move the puck up the ice. Yeah, I mean, you made an interesting comparison when you bring up Nate Schmidt. A lot, but in my mind, like, a lot of those roadblocks kind of still exist. I mean, you still have Brooks Orpik who's getting minutes. I mean, obviously, Carl Osner's gone. But now guys like uh, Christian Juice and Madison Bowie might be the odd man, odd man out um, with, with the new acquisitions. So have the Capitals kind of created another one of these scenarios? I mean, if they're not going to sit Orpik down, I, I thought Juice has had a pretty great year for him, and, and there's a chance he's not going to be getting uh, – the amount of ice time he was getting prior to the trades. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone should give this a few games to play itself out. You know, Brian McClellan really likes juice. He mentioned that in his, you know, conference call with reporters that he thinks juice has had a great year. I agree with him. I think juice, you know, Bowie has had his struggles. He's still learning, developing, whatever. I, I think it's pretty clear that juice is kind of ahead of him at this point. Um, I think the organization feels that. Uh, um, so my thing is just let this play itself out. I'm not saying, you know, Brooks Orpik is going to be not playing in the playoffs, but I think right now Yerebeck is brand new. You know, he hadn't played a game since February 1st. I don't think they wanted to put him in on a third pair with Juice and give Orpik a game off. But I think we could be heading to a scenario. There has been maybe some rumblings around the team that, you know, Orbic sitting a game here and there, maybe on the second game of back-to-backs, that is a possibility. Um, we might be moving in that direction. Uh, you know, I get why maybe they don't want to play here back with a rookie in juice right away, um, where maybe they want to play him with, you know, a veteran who will communicate a lot on the ice with him and, you know, maybe help him feel comfortable that way. Um so we'll see. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I've never seen them not play Orpic when he's been healthy. I'm not saying that's for sure going to happen, but it feels like maybe it's closer to that situation, especially if things keep going like this. And by like this, I mean you know very inconsistent 500 record with you know a lot of chances against. Um, so I, I would just you know it's still early in the process of those guys those two guys coming in and learning everything and trying to be, you know, integrated in. It's pretty hard, I think, to do that with two defensemen, um, you know, so late in the year. Uh, But I I think Juice is going to play at some point. Um, And it's just going to be, I'm curious to see how this all unfolds. I don't think this is the be all end all top six, what we saw on Tuesday against Ottawa. I think there's still maybe some tinkering that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously when Brian McClellan came out and said that he thought the problem was kind of getting the puck out of the defensive zone, uh, or a lot of people's thoughts went to Orpik, but he also did mention that the forwards have to be better uh, in their own zone. What do you think the Capitals are doing, if anything, uh, systematically or, or with their you know lineup decisions to try to make it so that the forwards are more engaged and doing a better job of kind of entering the zone or exiting the zone cleanly? Yeah, I... I don't know, because I don't think we've totally seen it yet. I mean, it's 
it's been, you know, one game. It's like they're beating teams. Yeah, they had good games against Ottawa and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if, if that's a, if that's very hard to do to play well against those guys. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, sometimes they're too cute or they try to make like, uh, you know, a, a really, you know, fancy play or whatever. And, you know, obviously you want your players to be able to do that. You want them to be creative, but um, I think sometimes they just kind of need to recognize their personnel. They need to recognize what they have defensively and, you know, just get the puck out as simply as they can. And then, you know, once again to the offensive zone, then, you know, take that time to be creative and whatever else. Um, I think that's what they were doing when they were playing well. Um, but, you know, right now it's just, you know, one game, it seems like they'll kind of find it a little bit. Um, and the next game, you know, it'll just be a completely different team. I, I think that's where it's hard to kind of know, you know, if anything systematically has changed or what the changes are because, sometimes you just don't recognize the team from one night to the next. And I know that's a point of frustration for the GM, for the coach, um, for the players themselves, uh, how inconsistent they've been. Um, and I don't know where that stems from. I mean, it just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not, I don't think that's an X's and O's thing. I think it's just, a, you know, maybe roster thing. I don't really know how to even explain it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could kind of, it's easy to point out the guys that have been consistent this year. I mean, right, you've had Ovechkin playing well throughout. You've had Lars Eller yeah. playing pretty well throughout. Um, besides that, I mean, it, 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 I mean, obviously there are other guys that I'm not, not pointing at here, but those are the two biggest ones that jump out to me for kind of consistent play on the forward groups. Um, you know, with, with all these things that the Capitals are trying to do, playing like a contender, in my mind, when I look at how they've been playing, you mentioned it earlier, kind of with the amount of chances they're giving up. Um, Obviously, all these chances are making Braden Holpe's aggregate stats look look worse than you know you'd expect from a guy of his quality. But I mean, he's been outplayed by Grubauer pretty handily, I'd say, since the turn of the new year. Um, Holpe's obviously you're still your number one, but what can they do to improve Holpe's play? And do you think we might see a bit more of Grubauer here until Holpe is kind of able to right the ship? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I don't know what the balance is there, right? if Grubauer starts getting more time because, you know, everybody knows Holpe's kind of struggling, like, does that hurt Holpe's confidence even more? You know, um, I, you know, Mitch Korn was around the other day. He wasn't on the ice, but um, he was, I, he was at Kettler. I don't know if that's related at all to what's going on, if that was scheduled for him to be in town around the trade deadline. Uh, Cause he does, you know, have a position in the Caps front office, so to speak. Um, but you know, I don't. I don't really know. I guess how they're going to handle all of that. Um, I expect him to be the starter in the outdoor game. But you know, it is. I think there's a combination of things where at first Holtby was playing really, really, really well, considering you know the leaky defense in front of him, and maybe at some point it did get to be a lot and just confidence cracked. I don't. You know, he hasn't been playing as well lately. I think you're right that Grubauer has outplayed him. And, um, you know, people point to, obviously, the defensive issues. Those are absolutely true. They're there. He's facing a lot of high danger. Philip Grubauer is playing behind the same exact team. Um, And granted, sometimes Grubauer gets 
easier teams that he's playing against, but we're, you know, not as talented teams. But sometimes, I mean, he played really well against Minnesota, which has a good team. Uh, sometimes he's playing the second game of a back-to-back, and we all know the Caps haven't handled those very well this year. So, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer there is. You need to find a way that, you know, hope he knows that he's your number one and you're kind of helping him. And probably the best way to do that is to keep shots to the outside and stop giving up so many chances to the middle. And then he'll have a couple of good games and, you know, he'll just be himself again. But, you know, I think it's going to help that he has a couple of practice days here, maybe to reset. You know, they've played a lot of games and very few actual practices for him to, you know, work on some things, tweak some things, whatever. Um, and I think that contributes to it too, that he's just, it's, you know, one kind of rough outing to the next, but, you know, maybe he gets a win in a setting like the outdoor game and, you know, then it's fine. But I wonder too, if because of kind of some of the goals he's allowed, if the Caps are playing differently in front of him, if they're more tentative or, anything like that, um, that can happen sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I'm not even sure what the right answer is. Like, if it is if it is better to, you know, mix in some more group hour starts, they seem to kind of be doing that naturally anyway. Um, but I hope he seems to play better when he has kind of consistent appearances. And um, But you also need to win games. And right now you're obviously doing that with Bray- uh, with Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you kind of mentioned how you expect Holby to get the start in the outdoor game, and, and that, that could be a, a bit of a confidence boost for him as well. Just, you know, obviously he's, he's one of the best goalies in the world, and, uh, you know, they expect him to get out of it. But to, to roll back a little bit here and talk a bit more about the consistency aspect that you mentioned, um, you know, I look at a guy like Jakob Rana, and he... You know, obviously, he, you had an article that came out today on uh, Wednesday talking about how you know he's really just struggling to get points. But when you uh, at the numbers beneath, he's been kind of across the board good all year. It's just the the points aren't mm-hmm. coming. You know, we we've seen this kind of with Burakovsky in his first couple of years, and obviously this year uh, his play actually dropped off when he wasn't producing. It wasn't just you know bad puck luck. But how does a young player get through this? And, and you know, how, how do you think Ron is handling kind of the struggle of uh, not getting points in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, he's frustrated. I, you could tell he's frustrated. You know, even yesterday, that line played great. He played really great. And you could kind of tell he was disappointed he didn't leave with a goal. Um, that's probably not the best attitude to have just because, I mean, that's going to happen. You have to sort of, I think if you're him and, it's hard to convince a 22-year-old rookie of this probably, but if you're him and you have a game like last night, like you're going to score at some point. Um, like it's it's just going to happen. He was very close, I thought, several times. Um, you know, he as long as he's using his speed and um, kind of just it seemed like every time he had the puck, you noticed him, I felt like. Um, and he can be that kind of a player with, you know, how he skates and his shot and everything else. And I think, you know, if he uses that, I feel like too often there's games where I don't notice his skating, which is, I think, a bad thing. Um, He's fast enough to where he should be kind of jumping out at you, like, pretty regularly. Um, 
especially when he's playing with a guy like Kuznetsov. Um, so right now, Kuznetsov seems to be going really well, which is good news for him because I think he's going to play in the outdoor game. Um, and, you know, if I think if he just keeps kind of playing like he did, you know, in a Tuesday game and using his skating and um, not being, I guess, tentative considering the shoot and everything else, I mean, he's going to score pretty much any minute, I would think. Um, but that's just me. I, I, I don't feel like he should get frustrated when it's, you know, a, a three-shot game and they were all good shots and it just didn't work out. I feel like that's probably what happens sometimes with Burakovsky and, you know, then other parts of the game start to fall off and that's when you end up out of the lineup. Yeah, and I, and I think... Um... Verona had those three shots uh, against Ottawa in under 10 minutes of time on ice. So that was, you yeah. know, he was, he when he was on the ice, he was, you know, really, really standing out. And obviously part of the reason both he and Burkowski had such reduced ice time on, on Tuesday was the, all the penalties that the Capitals took. And, and that was a big problem for the Capitals earlier this year was a lack of discipline. Um, and penalty differential has really been a problem for the team for years now. Um, do you think this is like an issue that's creeping back into their game? I, I think actually one of the earlier times I had you on, you talked about how the Capitals just weren't doing a good job of holding on to the puck, and that was why they kept getting penalized. Do you think that's what's happening again here, or is something else contributing to it? Yeah, I don't remember them having a seven-penalty game in a while. Um, so maybe that was just an outlier, but um, I felt like in Florida, when Eller got called for uh, interference. I thought they could have gotten called for like five other penalties in that third period. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, Florida had the puck. And so, yeah, I mean, it's probably some and some. I feel like they have been more disciplined lately. Um, you know, and I can't remember a game quite like that Ottawa won in a while. But, um, yeah, certainly I don't think their penalty kill is good enough this year for them to be um, shorthanded that often. Um, and yeah, it's, it is going to happen when they don't have the puck and, you know, they're chasing it around forever and in their own end, um, which feels like it happens a lot. Uh, so maybe Kempney and Yerbeck help with that. Yeah, maybe. Um, Isabel, one of the other guys on the team who's, who's struggling a little bit with consistency, but... Um, you know, maybe he doesn't get as down on himself because he's a bit of a, well, he is a veteran, but TJ Oshie is just, uh, at, at five on five, he's just not getting any sort of production. I mean, obviously he got the, a, a big assist yesterday on Kuznetsov's first goal, um, right as Niskanen came out of the penalty box there, but all, all in all, it, it's really been a bit of a down year for, for Oshie and, uh, obviously, um, there was some criticism when the deal was done that there, that his shooting percentage was going to go down, but I don't think really anybody thought he'd fall off quite this much and and hopefully he's going to get back get it all back together um as he continues to kind of maybe get his legs back under under him from the, that injury but what are your kind of thoughts on tj oshi and what do you think uh can be done to kind of get him back uh rolling yeah i think i share the opinion of a lot of people in that he just kind of looks off to me um there's sometimes where like he has the puck and it seems like it's a good time to shoot and he doesn't or um, you know, there's something maybe I've heard people say, like, his hand-eye coordination seems a little strange. Um, I think I would agree with that. I mean, the, the thing is, he still, like, finds ways to impact the game. If, he, if you're just watching him, he kind of hustles and um, obviously has a play like that, you know, on Tuesday for Kuznetsov, which was 
Um, good to see. But, yeah, I mean, certainly I think his play, I would probably put it up there as, like, one of the top disappointments of the season. Um, just because the scoring is so, like, top-heavy. I mean, with – you've got, like, Alex Ovechkin with 39 goals, and it's, like, a steep drop-off because that's up with 19. Um, and, you know, that's going to be a problem down the stretch. Um, it it almost be like if TJ Oshie found it, all of a sudden it'd be like a trade deadline addition, I feel like. Um, just because the scoring has been so uh, much lower than we all kind of anticipated. Um, especially a five-on-five, like you said. It's been 28 games since he scored a five-on-five goal, which is pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wonder how much of it is from the concussions. Uh, he said that was his fourth earlier this year. Um, that's pretty scary in my opinion um so is some of it that maybe i mean is some of it you know mental too where like it's just been so long that he's tentative or you know just playing differently because it's a lack of confidence i i don't know he's one of the most positive if not the most positive guy in the caps locker room um but that's really hurting them i think it's hurting the power play um he doesn't look quite the same shooting from that spot um, and it's it's also hurting that second line. I mean, Kuznetsov, of all people, who, you know, kind of hates to shoot the puck sometimes, is, you know, has 19 goals and is second on the team in that category, and it's probably because his two line mates, you know, are both struggling with, you know, Verona and Oshie. Um, so, you know, just imagine, I mean, I think that line would be good if, one of the two wingers could find the back of the net. Um, so I think, you know, they could just, they're doing the right things. You know, it's kind of the same thing with Verona, right? Like, I feel like he's playing pretty well most of the time. It, you know, just, um, he looks, he looks off, but he still hustles and kind of does the right things most of the time to where if he could just find that scoring touch again, um, I mean, that line would be – that line was really good for them before he got hurt, and it could be again, and it would just kind of change the dynamic a little bit, I feel like, because they haven't really gotten a whole lot from the second line for whatever reason, even though Kuznetsov has been playing well. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't have a good answer of why it's happening. I feel like it might – it's probably related in part to the concussion, in part to shooting percentage regression, uh, probably a little bit of everything, but – yeah, if he could get, you know, if he could find the, I guess, scoring touch again, not even to the level of last year, but somewhere in the middle, then, you know, I think that would be huge for them. It would be like adding a forward at the deadline. Yeah, I, I know Brian McClellan came out a bit before the deadline saying that he was going to trust his youth to continue to grow and develop. And, and obviously, I think when he came out and said that, um, Burkowski was still in the midst of his struggles. Um, you know, hopefully he's not falling back into those again. Um, you, you know, I'm saying that cause he, he, you know, he goes two games without a point and all of a sudden you start hoping it's not another, uh, another streak coming <laughs> on. But, um, all, all in all, uh, you know, the Capitals are going to have to rely on kind of, the, you know, they are who they are. Um, you know, they, they only have the two additions and, uh, the rest of the league went out or the rest of their competitors really went out and made deals, whether it was Pittsburgh with Broussard or, or anything else. Isabel, what about this lineup makes you optimistic, if anything, that they could, you know, 
they could beat a Pittsburgh team that that's arguably just as good as they were last year, if not better. And um, you know, everyone knows that this Washington team isn't quite the same as they were uh, just one year ago. Yeah, I mean, obviously on paper, not much makes me optimistic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, I feel like that's how most people feel. But mm-hmm. um, there was a time where this team was rolling and playing well, um, and maybe some of it was you know them kind of playing above what the underlying statistics were saying. But they've done that for like a while um, as a team, like for years they've, you know, kind of scored more goals than maybe they should have. Or um, I feel like that's been a recurring theme. So I don't find it as odd, but um, I think it's just a matter of like timing. If they could, you know, it is, it sounds so stupid and it's a bad plan. I agree. But um, I, I do think if they, if like there was a certain switch that flipped and, all of a sudden, you know, everybody just kind of, you know, played well at the same time, um, found that consistency. Like, I think they'd be fine in the playoffs. I don't know that um, that necessarily means they're going to, you know, win a Stanley Cup, but I think they would be competitive. Um, there are times when you watch them right now where you wonder if they're going to get out of the first round. Um, but, you know, they're in this position in the league um, for a reason. I mean, at the end of the day, they have a certain number of points or in first in the Metro or whatever they are. And, um, like I was talking to someone the other day that I look at Columbus's roster, maybe on paper, I even like Columbus's roster more than Washington's. Um, but Columbus is like 10 points back of them. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes maybe we, I don't know that we got spoiled watching them the past few years, but, Certainly the expectations were skewed going into this year, um, even knowing that they wouldn't be as good. So I don't know. I I wonder if they, you know, play, if everybody, the problem is their inconsistency, right? And if they could figure that out, they could play, I guess, a little bit more stable. I think uh, their team is good enough because, you know, especially the biggest weakness is, would be the defense and, Pittsburgh won. I don't know that their defense was all that much better than this one last year. Um, So, as we were saying earlier, if the forwards help the D and um, if TJ Oshie starts scoring goals again, if, you know, Verona kind of plays consistently and, you know, finds his confidence again and starts uh, scoring a little bit more than he is right now, um, if the fourth line, you know, stables out a little bit. I don't think anybody has to play like that much, you know, better than they are now, but it's just the group as a whole has to play better. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, I, it, it does make sense. I mean, the, the team as a whole has to improve and, um, you know, we, we've seen these guys play better in the past and um, I guess one of the one of the last questions I have for you is, I mean, if we think that this group is good enough to win uh, or, or at least compete, but to sound, you know, I I, th- I think we could we could argue that we we know that the raw talent is there, um, but one of the, one of the big questions you asked Brian McClellan kind of was, you know, the biggest talents on the roster being Ovechkin and Backstrom, or you know, you can argue whether they're, they're still the two biggest talents, but um, you know, they're they're the guys that 
you know the, the fan base feels an obligation to and I, and I believe your question was about whether the organization kind of felt an obligation to kind of give those guys the best possible chance to win um, with their contracts kind of coming to an end here um, soon ish you know and, and they're getting older you know you don't want to say that they're they're not going to be good anymore every time you try to kind of bet against Alex Ovechkin and say that age is catching up to him he puts something together like we've seen this year but um, you know what do you kind of think went into the the mindset that you know, this group was good enough and that there wasn't really that obligation to go and try to kind of improve Ovechkin and Backstrom's chances. Yeah, I think it's just not wanting to mortgage any more of the future. And yeah. I'm, and that's a hard thing to buy, but the future also means next year and the year after that, um, which is still in the Ovechkin-Backstrom window, both of them. Backstrom's contract has two more seasons after this one. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think we look at this team this year and we say, eh, probably not. I mean, but the weird thing about the NHL is, you know, there's been years where I've looked at the Caps roster and I've been like, oh, yeah, totally, this year. Um, and, you know, it's been the same result. Um, so, who knows? Maybe this is the year nobody expects it. Everybody thinks they're, you know, a tire fire half half of the nights of the season and, um then they, you know, go out and do it, um, and everything just clicks. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, I think you, you look at the same team and you say, okay, what about next year, right? In theory, Carlson will be back. Um, you know, you know you're going to have your three centers at least. Um, Juice and Bowie are both a year older, um, with Juice in particular probably playing a bigger responsibility, um, I would say he would next year would be solidly in your top four. Um, do you look at that team next year and say, okay, yeah, they might have a chance. I would. And then you add, you know, whoever they get with their first round pick, maybe not even immediately, but, um, you know, what if, you know, Lucas Johansson's ready or what if, you know, Stephen Fowler, um, and the D kind of changes. I mean, I think they're thinking in that sense too, or where if they make a couple moves in the summer um, and there could be drastic moves this summer, if, you know, they fall short of the second round again, or, you know, especially if they fall short of the second round, but if they fall short of reaching the third round, um, there could be a pretty big overhaul, I would think. Um, McClellan's never been a huge fan of making huge deadline moves. I think he likes to do more stuff in the off season. Um, I don't think they're just going to, like, squander the last two years away of Ovechkin Backstrom, but I think this year, realistically, his hands are probably a little bit tied just with the cap situation and everything else. Um, and doing something at the deadline, getting a guy like McDonough or Carlson, would have meant trading away a Verona or a Burakovsky, almost certainly, if not both. Um, and that creates a different problem. Um, I don't you know, who's going to fill in in the forward core? Uh, those guys may not always be producing, but they're important players to have in there. Um, so I don't think it made a ton of sense. I mean, I don't think I think that's why nobody went and got Carlson, because what you would have had to give up would have hurt you as a contender anyway. Um, I don't think it made a ton of sense for them in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they did the best they could could um, with kind of their initial plan of keeping an eye toward the future. And like I said, 
the future, I'm not talking about like five years down the road, I even mean the next two years is um, the future they're thinking about. They don't want to set themselves so far back. And I think they're already kind of feeling the pain of not picking until the fourth round last year. I mean, you look in Hershey and uh, the forward um, prospects are pretty dry. Uh, so I think it, it was time for them to kind of start to hold on to some picks. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you talk about if you trade Verona or Burakovsky, and when you and you brought it up perfectly with Hershey. I mean, there isn't really a, a guys down there to call up that you would expect to, you know, have that no. a similar level of skill. I mean, you could argue on the back end, you know, with, with Lucas Johansson or, or you know, a, a, even Siegenthaler. You know, you have guys down there that maybe could come up and do something that that at one point were you know highly touted prospects or, or still are maybe, but. Um, you know, on the four groupies, I mean, there, there, there's really nobody. So it, it, it's kind of what you see is what you get here for the Capitals. And, um, you know, I, personally, I think those draft picks, um, they're definitely important for the future. But, you know, the, the percentage of guys that get picked late in the first round that make it to the NHL in those first two years isn't that high. So maybe, But the Capitals have historically been done a really good job of drafting early uh, in the draft. I mean, they just tend to hit a lot. I mean, even, even if you look at a guy like Ilya Samsonov, the, the goaltender that they picked, that that's that's probably going to be a great pick, um, even if it was somewhat unconventional. So they've kind of gotten it done. So, I- Isabella, I really do appreciate you coming on here. Uh, I know there's you, you've got a lot going on, and, and hopefully you get to kind of recuperate from what what was looking like it could have been a very very exciting trade deadline there for the last uh, couple hours. <laughs> yeah, it was really riveting as I sat in the Columbus media room and ate my Jimmy John's and just stared at the TV for hours. <laughs> And you were on, like, some guest computer or something, right? Right. My computer had a meltdown. So thank you, Columbus Blue Jackets, if you're listening to this, for letting me borrow one of your computers. You know, you know, they let you borrow a computer, and then they spanked the team you covered uh, thoroughly that night. So it was, you know, then they gave you something good to write about. So really, yeah, really they were say, just looking least, out for you the whole time. Yeah, they got it done in the first period, so that makes the writing very easy. <laughs> Well, Isabel, thanks again, and why don't you let our listeners know, I mean, I'm sure they do already, but where they can follow you on on, on Twitter, and, and we're obviously at the Washington Post, but where exactly they can find all your work. Yeah, it's uh, at Ikerschudian, I-K-H-U-R-S-H-U-D-Y-A-N, on Twitter and Instagram, um, and uh, WashingtonPost.com slash sports. For, there's a capitals button if you really hate all the other sports in this town. Well, I mean, they, they all kind of result in the same thing, right? <laughs> early early exits from the playoffs. So, um, so thanks again for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio.